Hey, it's Janice from Discovery. We took a look back at our amazing Curiosity Daily archive and are re-airing this fan-favorite episode from 2019. Take a listen to Get Smarter in just a few minutes, and we'll be back with fresh episodes soon. Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about why scientists measured how hard babies kick in the womb and the difference in brain scans between people when they were reading a book versus listening to a podcast. We'll also answer a listener question about the history of fart humor. Let's clear the air on some curiosity. (laughs) In a study that's the first of its kind, scientists have figured out how hard babies kick when they're in the womb. And the force of a fetal kick is more than a fun fact. It's also a way to figure out if a fetus is developing properly. Scientists have known for a while that those little kicks are important for well-formed bones and joints because pregnancies with too little movement tend to be associated with skeletal abnormalities like scoliosis, which is why researchers set out to answer the question, how much movement is the right amount? For a January 2018 study, a team of scientists gathered hundreds of fetal scans performed with a technology known as CINE-MRI, that's C-I-N-E, like cinema, which records both internal features and movement. From those scans, they chose 20 that depicted a full-blown kick. They also collected a half dozen traditional MRI scans captured during different periods of gestation, 20 weeks, 30 weeks, and 35 weeks, to help them analyze bone development. They used a computer program to track the movement of the leg joints as each fetus gave mom a boot to the belly. Then they created a model that simulated the forces involved when they took those movements and the strength of the uterine wall into account. From there, they were able to calculate the forces generated by the leg muscles and the stress and strain experienced by the bones and joints. And the team found that the brunt of a fetal kick topped out at 47 newtons, or about 10 pounds of force. That's comparable to being punted by a small tangerine traveling at 60 miles an hour, or roughly 100 kilometers per hour. Cody, that's about the top speed of a little league pitcher. Wow. (laughs) They also found that with every kick, The average displacement of the uterine wall was an impressive 0.4 inches or 11 millimeters. These numbers changed throughout the pregnancy and the strongest kicks happened between 20 and 30 weeks. The kicks got weaker later, probably because the fetus's living space got more cramped during later weeks. But the strain on the joints and the muscles didn't decrease since, after all, the fetus has to use more muscle power to kick in that small space. And that means that movement in later pregnancy is just as important to skeletal development as it is in earlier weeks, which has implications for babies born prematurely. But if you're expecting, there's no need to overanalyze it. Physicians don't generally recommend monitoring your baby's movement until about the 28th week. At that point, parents should just get a feel for what's normal and call a doctor if that changes. But otherwise, enjoy every kick. They're just the baby's way of getting in some exercise to strengthen those growing bones. Stop the presses. Brain scans of people reading and listening to podcasts look the same. Yes, new research shows that listening to something likely stimulates the same cognitive and emotional parts of the brain as reading it. Your entire podcast listening experience has been justified, not to mention my life. Good. Slash career. (laughs) As reported by Futurity, these findings open up new possibilities for understanding our inner thoughts and narratives. And they also have practical implications for learning and speech disorders like dyslexia. 
The findings were published in the Journal of Neuroscience in August 2019, and researchers used functional MRI machines to scan the brains of both listeners and readers. Nine volunteers each spent a couple of hours inside fMRI scanners. First, they listened to, and then they read, stories from the Moth Radio Hour, while researchers measured their cerebral blood flow. Then the researchers matched the brain activity data against time-coded transcriptions of the stories, and they fed the results to a computer. Then they used statistical modeling to arrange thousands of words on maps according to their semantic relationships. So under the animals category, for example, you would hear words like bear, fish, and cat. These maps covered at least a third of the cerebral cortex, and they helped the researchers accurately predict which words would activate which parts of the brain. The researchers were surprised with just how strong the similarities were in brain activity between the two different sensory modalities of hearing and reading. The maps created from those datasets were virtually identical, and you can actually see the results in an interactive 3D color-coded map which shows those word groupings like animals that I mentioned. We've got a link to that in our full write-up on this on curiosity.com. And these maps could be used in clinical applications, like by comparing language processing in healthy people with those in people with injuries from a stroke or epilepsy or brain injuries that impair speech. The semantic maps could also inform interventions for dyslexia, the neurodevelopmental language processing disorder that impairs reading, and auditory processing disorders where people can't distinguish the sounds or phonemes that make up words. Future mapping will include experiments with people who speak languages other than English, as well as with people who have language-based learning disorders. In the meantime, I can stop feeling so bad about never becoming a great author, because I'm still stimulating your brain right through your eardrums. We got a listener question from Liz in Indianapolis, who starts out by saying, My question is weird, but it may help to know that I have twin three-year-olds at home, hence why this was on my mind. My question is, at what point did farts become funny to humans? Was it a part of human evolution or is it cultural? It seems like other mammals simply treat gas as a normal bodily function. So I'm curious if this shift happened when we evolved to become more human than animal. But my husband believes that it may be due to cultural differences throughout the world. Can you help us get to the bottom of this? It sure would be a relief. My puns aren't as good as yours, but I wanted to give it a try. Your puns are a gas, Liz. And so is your question. To start with, let's talk about a few scientific theories about what makes things funny. Two big ones are incongruity theory, which says that we find it funny when there's a mismatch between our expectations and reality, and benign violation theory, which says that humor arises from some harmless violation of a cultural norm. Theories like this explain why farts are funny. They're a violation of proper manners, and they're this noisy, smelly thing that you don't expect to happen. But by that logic, farts would have to be a norm violation in every culture for every culture to find them funny. And that's why in some places where people aren't as offended by farts, like, say, China, people also aren't as amused by them. So while I thought that this would be totally universal, your husband wins this one. It's cultural. But that being said, people have been finding farts funny in many cultures for a very, very long time. In fact, the oldest recorded joke from Sumeria way back in 1900 BC is a fart joke. Quote, something which has never occurred since time immemorial, a young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. Unquote. 
Sure, it kind of stinks, but hey, we hadn't had much practice writing jokes back then. Thanks for your question, Liz. Thanks for clearing the air on that one. You're welcome, Cody. Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you can catch this weekend on Curiosity.com. This weekend, you'll learn about a fake news detector you can use to test the authenticity of a news story, whether dark matter is hot or cold, how blockchain could make digital interactions trustworthy again, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that being kicked by a fetus could be about as strong as being hit by a tangerine flying at 60 miles per hour. But don't blame the baby. Those kicks help the development of bones and muscle joints. And that your brain might look the same whether you're reading a book or listening to a podcast. And that fart jokes are only funny if farts are against the rules. I totally thought that all humans were going to find fart jokes funny. And... (laughs) We're so mature. (laughs) Hey, this is science. Join us again tomorrow to learn something. <clears throat> Ashley cannot stop thought, laughing. Just the thought that I might do it is hilarious to me. Okay. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And have a great weekend. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. Stay curious.